Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. We're coming to you live from New York State Highway 81 North. It's a gray day here on the shores of Lake Ontario. We just came off a extraordinarily greasy lunch <laughs> and we're ready to talk about punishment. Hello my baby, hello my honey, hello my right-time guy, send me a kiss by Hello listeners, doing a little bit of a, an experiment in podcasting this afternoon. My husband and I are on a little road trip to Montreal, and uh, we're going to be doing some uh, car casting. Is that, a, is, that, is that an actual phrase? I don't know. Podcasting from the car. We'll see how it goes. I, don't, I forgot my, my microphone back at home, so the quality might not be top-notch, but the content will be because my, my husband is here, and he's a genius. We are going to talk about punishment, specifically uh, punishment in our relationship, (laughs) more specifically about a specific incident where I attempted to use punishment to change Jason's behavior, and, um, but before we get into into this um, particular incident. Jason, why don't you... I, I'm, curi- I'm curious for if you could tell me or our, uh, our listeners what you... Uh, how you would have thought about punishment or how you would have defined punishment prior to uh, your union with a, a dog trainer. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I uh, I guess I my the first thing that comes to mind when I think about punishment is just uh, something bad that happens to someone uh, or something in order to try to discourage it from doing something which is bad. So spanking a child or spraying a cat in the face with a water bottle, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Although I think too often, and, and really the, the technical definition of punishment is that it discourages a behavior. But I think too often it can get wrapped up in the idea that it's something bad. In that I was actually, I was just listening to an interview... Uh, on Fresh Air with um, the actor Jonah Hill who has a new movie out about skateboarding and he was talking about how he got really into skateboarding when he was 
um, a teenager because it was so, like, he, I think he described it as punishing and painful and punishing, and that made him want to do it more. And I thought, okay, well, I, I totally understand what he's saying, but actually the pain was reinforcing, not punishing, because if it made him want to do it more, then that wouldn't be punishment anyway. But um, I know you tried to use punishment with the dog that you had before we met, right? Yeah, uh, I used to have a dog who was extremely high-strung, and um, he was a papillon, and uh, just sort of always very excited. His little, bo- his little body was constantly taut, and uh, he barked a lot, and he had this issue where um, when I went out and left him home alone, he would bark uh, nonstop for hours. Um, and uh, If only you had called a dog trainer, he might have met much earlier. That's true. It would have been useful for all kinds of reasons. Um, anyway, uh, I couldn't think of uh, anything other than to uh, eventually just... Uh, well, actually, I think what we did is we went to, we went to a, a pet store and talked to a... Um, a pet store expert? A pet store employee. <laughs> went to, and, and the pet store employee suggested a shock collar, which uh, now, knowing you, I... Uh, I shudder, you, you used a shock collar with this dog? I shudder to even admit this. I think this is the first time you're actually telling me this. Yeah. Um, am I in for punishment? <laughs> so anyway, Continue. Can punishment be used to prevent an action in the past? <laughs> That's a philosophical question. Um, anyway, so, uh, of course, I was somewhat concerned uh, at the idea of causing the dog pain, but the pet store employee, um, she, she assured me that this collar only used um, static electricity. So uh, while it wasn't, so it wasn't really painful, it was just sort of surprising. And, and the way the collar worked was it had a little microphone on it. And so when it heard when it received the sound of the dog barking, it would shock him right in his neck. Uh, Can I just interject here to say that we've been dealing, you know, we just moved to a new studio. Well, I know that you know that, but I don't know if I... <laughs> As someone who lives with me is aware, School for the Dogs has just moved to a new studio, and um, we have mats all over the floors in this basement area that's kind of like a... I guess it's kind of like a dry basement and we've been dealing with serious static electricity issues which is annoying for the humans and something we're trying to figure out like a problem we're trying to solve but it's it's awful for the dogs because static electricity is no joke and at least as humans you kind of like know why it's happening um, and know it has nothing to do with 
you know, it's not your fault. It has nothing to do with any particular, it's not, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to do with your behavior because you did something to make it happen. But, but um, we have had several um, incidents with dogs who are were there for, you know, lessons having to do with their, their stress and sensitivity where the dogs have gotten shocked um, and then have been terrified of whoever shocked them or whatever area in the room they were shocked in. So, you know, we, we think of static, static electricity as no biggie, but actually, especially for a stress dog, it, um, it, it, I, I have witnessed it being um, pretty terrifying. Anyway, so what you had was a, was a, a supposedly mild shock collar on this small dog, and when he barked, he got shocked. Is that right? Yeah. Um, did it work? It did did work uh kind of so um he had another symptom of stress and anxiety which was also that he would jump up and down and um another thing that i did um wait hold on before we 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 talk about something else though i just want to know how did it how did you witness it working the shot caller was he like not barking when you went out anymore well right yeah we stopped getting complaints about the dog barking while we were out. All right, so I would actually say that was punishment that was perhaps effective, although who knows what, um, you know, he might not have understood he was being, I mean, it's always the problem with punishment is, is knowing if the dog understands, you know, the specific thing he's being punished for, but it sounds like it was effective in that it did curb the, the barking. Um, not that it's a solution I would suggest. And, of course, the reason I wouldn't suggest it is because you already had an anxious dog and then, you know, he was, you were adding stress by uh, giving him electric shocks or he was getting electric shocks even if you weren't the one uh, necessarily delivering them uh, on the spot. And often what can happen is we call it like switching seats in the Titanic where... You know, you solve the one problem, but then he starts chewing his leg or peeing in the corner or doing something else to express his stress. Like, you weren't actually getting rid of the problem of him being stressed out when you left. He was still stressed out when you left, if not more so, because now you left and he was getting shocked, yeah, right? Well, that, that's what I was going to say. So. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Um, there, is a, there was another symptom, which was jumping. So he would, uh, in addition to barking sort of every few seconds, he would also jump up and down constantly. Um, And the reason we knew this is when we came home, we would find uh, like thousands of little paw prints by the front door. (laughs) So we knew that he had been like pacing and jumping. but uh, also, eventually, I, uh, I was curious what was happening while he was at home. So I went out and bought a like, uh, video camera that I could view from my cell phone. And I had video evidence of him jumping over and over again in front of the front door. And so when we put the shock collar on him, it definitely curbed the barking because there was a sort of a one-to-one 
you know, you bark, you get a shock, uh, stimulus response, but he kept jumping and he would jump for hours, like hundreds and hundreds of times while we were out. So I felt bad and clearly he was still very stressed out. That's a terrible story. So uh, what would you do differently now? I'm just curious. Now that, now that you, you, your life is enmeshed with the life of a dog trainer <laughs> and you've listened to at least one episode of School for the Dogs podcast <laughs> on, on high speed. He listens to it on high speed because <laughs> it goes faster. <laughs> How would you, what would you do differently now? Um, I think what I would probably do, instead of getting a collar that shocked the dog, um, when it barked, I might, uh, I might like see if I could get like, uh, tranquilizer laced treats <laughs> and a, uh, uh, like bark induced treat dispenser. Okay. So that presumably then when the dog barked, he would get a treat. Uh, and that would uh, probably reinforce itself so he would keep barking, but eventually he'd put himself to sleep. <laughs> so th there actually is a product like that that's made by the company PetSafe. I don't, I don't really know how well it works. We had one that we tested for a little while, and um, I think it didn't work that well. If there's an inventor out there listening, I think this is a product that, that should be developed. But, um, but it, it's, that's the idea, is that it, like, shapes quiet. So your dog wears the collar, and if he's quiet at first for, like, 30 seconds, it dispenses a treat, and then, he, and then he needs to be quiet for 40 seconds, it dispenses a treat. And, and then I think if he starts barking, it, like, resets itself, um, or maybe it delivers at some variable rate. But there's also an app... Um, that I think is still out there. I haven't, I haven't uh, checked for a while. It's an iPad app called Pavlov Dog Monitor. And uh, it's a similar idea where you can, rather than dispensing a treat, you like record your voice saying like, good job. And it, it not only tracks your dog's barking so you can come home and like look at a graph and see how much your dog has been barking, but it also... Um, it also shapes quiet by periodically, like, same thing. Like, after a minute, it'll say, good job. And then after, you know, a minute and a half, it'll say, good job. And, and then it'll start, I think, at a more variable rate or reset if necessary. Um, although, if the one thing about Pavlov Dog Monitor, last time I looked at it, was there was also the option to record a voice that said, bad dog. <laughs> and I have told clients who use it to just not record anything for that part because I think any reaction, any reaction from the device is probably considered re reinforcing to the dog. So better to just use reinforcement, the, the positive reinforcement of you saying good dog and not deal with, not use the bad dog part. Anyway, so that was your old dog. And um, he also had issues on the street, right? Yeah, he had, uh, well... I know now that it's called leash aggression, uh, but but back then I just thought he was a psychopath. Uh, he, he, well, he, you know what our class is called, right? For for leash reactive dogs. What's that? Sidewalk psychos. Yeah, he was definitely a sidewalk psycho. 
and he would uh, lunge uh, with, you know, really violent aggression at uh, pretty much any dog that came near us while we were walking. And uh, I didn't know how to deal with that either. So um, I would uh, sort of like stick my finger in his face and yell at him. Uh, sometimes even kind of like hit him very softly uh, to try to get him to stop. And it sometimes kind of worked for like, so if we passed one dog and he freaked out, then I would, you know, scream and put my, put my finger in his face and tell him no. And then like when we walked by another dog, I could see him getting ready and then he would remember and he would look up at me uh, and sort of cower. So it would work for like one dog, but then then he would forget. And by the time we got to the third dog, he would be, you know, a total violent psychopath again. This must have made walks pretty stressful for you. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, he was just a really problematic dog. So how would you deal with that? differently now knowing what you know about training or would you deal with it differently I think I would yeah um I think I would uh probably bring a really delicious like high value treat I thought you were gonna say bring a dog trainer on the walk with you (laughs) I would marry a dog trainer that's probably (laughs) just let her deal with it uh no I would bring a high value treat on the walk um, like bacon or something related. And, uh, and then I would, uh, every time I saw another dog coming, I would just give him bacon so that he was really happy and excited and he learned to associate seeing other dogs with getting bacon. I think that's a, that would be a pretty, a pretty good plan um, to start out with at least. And, but I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't remember, but I'm sure at some point you, you told me about that issue and I suggested some version of that solution and it probably sounded a little crazy, right? Like, why am I giving the, the wacko dog bacon when he's going nuts at another dog? Well, you know, at this point I'm so well trained (laughs) that it doesn't sound crazy at all, but I can imagine, uh, how somebody who uh, was not initiated might uh, think it was reinforcing the bad behavior. Right, right. Uh, we're at, we're at a toll. Well, I think that um, that's pretty pretty typical reaction in my you take credit cards. My uh, response to someone who raises their eyebrows at the suggestion of you know trying to work at creating a good association by feeding a dog when they're um, reacting to another dog on the street that way would be that you always need to... Are we in Canada yet? We're five miles from Canada. That that you always need to focus on the emotional response before you focus on the actual behavior. And that if you can change your dog's underlying feelings about whatever it is that's causing them to, to... display the unwanted behavior that you can usually change the behavior itself. So when you have to choose basically 
in uh, in nerd nerdy terms, if you have to choose between classical conditioning and or learning by association, uh, sorry, classical conditioning, aka learning by association, and uh, operant conditioning, aka learning by consequence. You're always choosing classical conditioning first, and that's where, you know, other dog equals bacon, other dog equals bacon comes in before you start thinking about, well, am I reinforcing or punishing a specific behavior? You need to think first about the 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 cause of the behavior. Look at that. It's Canada. We're almost in Canada. We're going over the Thousand Islands Bridge right now. Beautiful. Which is uh, underappreciated salad dressing, I would say. <laughs> I think there was Thousand Island salad dressing on top of our fried cheese curds at lunch. And fried pickles. They had fried, fried pickles. pickles. Yeah. I would say the behavior of going to Pulaski, New York for fried pickles was probably punished. Definitely today. not reinforced. <laughs> <laughs> The behavior was discouraged. All right. We won't mention the name of the restaurant where we had these fried pickles no. uh, because we don't want to. The fried pickles weren't were not really the low point, though, at least for me. Yeah. What would you say the most discouraging item on the lunch menu was? I think it was the fact that she brought out dessert while the fried pickles were still on the table. That was kind of gross to me. But um, all right, we digress. <clears throat> all right, let's talk about. Um, Let's talk about punishment in our relationship. So, by and large, for for those who don't know us, we are we are a pretty happy couple, I'd say, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound very convincing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm very happily married to you. I mean, we don't argue a lot, right? What are you talking about? <laughs> we're not we're not a very combative couple, I would say, but. <clears throat> We did have, I mean, we've had a couple, a couple tiffs, we can call them. And uh, one of the larger ones um, was really my fault. Uh, I'll, I'll cop to that. Um, and it was because I, uh, I very deliberately attempted to change one of Jason's annoying behaviors, of which there are only like three, um, <laughs> uh, using punishment. And, well, I don't know. Should I tell my, my version of the story and then you can tell your version of the story? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So one of the, you know, one of the very few annoying habits that Jason has, and I think every couple has, like, a couple things that just irk them, is he often yawns with his mouth wide open and he doesn't cover his mouth. And this, bother, <laughs> this bothers me. And... um I, uh, you know, I thought about how I could change this behavior by using positive reinforcement. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, rewarding him every moment of the day that he's not yawning seemed like not a feasible solution. And you know, every moment with you is rewarding in and of itself. Right, exactly. So I was already rewarding you for, for all of those moments in the day. And, um, you know, another way to get rid of, of behavior is to train an alternate behavior, but yawning is, you know, sort of a built-in behavior, so I'm not clever enough to figure out how I would train an alternate behavior, like, I don't know, clapping your hands every time you want to yawn or something. I'm, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not enough of a, I'm not a good enough dog trainer to figure out how to train that. <laughs> as, as I was saying that, he just yawned and he covered his mouth. So maybe I've had some success, more success than I realized. Um, you're not even looking at me. It's really, it's really like when you're facing me and you yawn with your mouth open that it bothers me when you're not looking at me. It's like, I don't have to look inside of your mouth. It's not so bad. So I, I at first did try and uh, praise him every time he did cover his mouth when he yawned, and I, I still do this, but it didn't seem to, uh, I mean, I, I guess I would suggest that he covered his mouth, I would suggest that he cover his mouth, and then when he did cover his mouth, I would praise him lavishly, but I don't know, maybe either I wasn't consistent enough about it. Maybe praise just wasn't enough of a reinforcer. What what could I have done that, or what could I do that would be more reinforcing to uh, encourage you when you do cover your mouth? Uh, you could pat me on the head and call me good boy. I don't I don't think that would really work. Um, jelly beans. Yeah. <laughs> if I carried around a bunch of jelly beans. All right. Well, anyway. I tried, I tried reinforcing the good behavior, but uh, there was really one behavior I was trying to encourage, which was mouth covering, and then one I was trying to discourage, which was gaping mouth open, yawning, and uh, I, I, I guess in some sort of evil way, I thought, what if, what if I did make an experiment out of trying to use punishment to, to change. To, to get rid of the behavior I don't like instead of focusing on encouraging the behavior I do want. And I really try to not, like, purposefully use much punishment in my life with those I love. Um, I, I have one specific punishment that I use with my dog Amos, and I do it maybe a couple times a year. And it's... <laughs> It's scary bear face, we call it. How would you describe scary bear face? Uh, it's uh, making yourself look like a scary bear. That's, that's, that's a really detailed description. Good, good one. Well, it's an overly descriptive name, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like hold up my hands and make my face look scary. And, uh, and it, it, ten it tends to work. Um, and I try and use it sparingly, usually when he's barking uncontrollably. Um, but it is not my, my go-to move, um, although I do suggest if you are going to use any form of punishment with your dog, it be something that is that, that makes you look that stupid, because it certainly doesn't impress anyone around me when I do it, and something that doesn't cause any kind of physical pain, and something that you use very, very rarely, because if you use it a lot, it will stop working. And I actually think, I think Jason has overused my scary bear face to the point where it actually maybe doesn't work that well anymore with Amos. But anyway, so I got my, I got in my head the idea that I was going to try and uh, stop his um, wide mouth yawning behavior using punishment. So what I started to do was every time he yawned and he didn't cover his mouth, I would stick my finger in his mouth. And uh, I think I did this with some regularity for 
a couple of months. And um, I think he did start to do it less, actually. So it was somewhat effective because it definitely annoyed him to have um, my finger in his mouth. How did you know it annoyed me? Well, I, I guess because I... I think, first of all, you told me that it annoyed you. But also, I think uh, you stopped doing it as much, so I assumed that whatever I, I was doing was was effective punishment. But, um, you know, usually I did it when it was just the two of us, I think. Anyway, one night we went to dinner at some friends' houses. At, at, one night we went to dinner, dinner at a friend's uh, apartment, and we were at, we were at the dinner table, and uh, he yawned and I stuck my finger in his mouth and he just like gave me this cold stare and was clearly angry for the rest of dinner. And then the second like we stepped into the elevator outside their apartment to leave, he just like, he just like went into a tirade. I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but he, he was, uh, he was really angry and all I could do was laugh, which at the time, uh, at the time I thought I was laughing because like it worked, like what I had done had been so annoying, but with reflection, you know, it didn't really work because I wasn't looking for him to, I mean, if you're going to use punishment, it should be, it should ideally be subtle and, and, you know, not disruptive in the same way my bare my bare face is um I don't feel like I put my relationship with Amos at stake every time I do it and and uh and it's pretty subtle whereas sticking your finger in someone's mouth over a dinner table I guess is not subtle also you know my goal wasn't to get him to freak out my my goal like that wasn't the behavior I was looking to increase, I was looking to decrease the behavior of yawning with his mouth open. Anyway, I, the, in the moment I thought I was laughing because I was like, oh my God, I, I have succeeded somehow at my experiment. With hindsight, I think I was laughing as a kind of displacement behavior, like, which I remember used to happen sometimes when I was a kid, when my mom would get really upset. Rather than myself being upset, I would laugh. It was like a way to release some sort of stress. And, and I, I think... You know, we see these kinds of displacement behaviors with dogs all the time, um, uh, where you, you have a sort of uncomfortable energy that gets released in some way that seems irrelevant or inappropriate. Um, <clears throat> anyway, eventually we, we made up, and uh, the argument did punish my behavior, because I think after that I stopped sticking my finger in Jason's mouth, so him getting upset at me changed... <laughs> change that behavior um but I also do think it made him generally better about covering his mouth because I think it like the whole incident just created such a bad it was like we both had such bad memories of the incident that um like the argument itself in some way punished the behavior but I don't know what let's what's your what's your side of the this this tale um, yeah, uh, I did get uh, extremely annoyed 
uh, angry when you would do that and more so when uh, you did it to me in public in front of our friends. Uh, I don't think I did it many times. That's the only time I really remember it being an issue that I did it in front of other people. Do you think that was the thing, that it was like in front of other people? I think that was what pushed me over the edge uh, into sort of blowing up. Uh, I generally didn't like it and I think I, uh, I told you that uh, repeatedly and I also I also thought like I mean I knew because you told me I knew that it was that you were experimenting and I didn't really like uh, that either because uh, I didn't feel like our relationship was a good venue for uh, behavioral experimentation yeah, but I mean, which I, I get, but I, I also, like, my point of view on that is, you know, we're all affecting each other's behavior all the time, and the fact that I was just being more thoughtful and purposeful about it, you know, is what maybe made made you call it an experiment, but that, you know, there are subtle ways in which we change one another's behavior, you know, every day, all day, whether or not you're a couple where one of the people is a dog trainer. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you could also argue back that, uh, you know, simply saying, I don't like it when you do that, could you please stop, uh, is also a form of punishment or, you know, negative reinforcement or whatever. Uh, I also just didn't like your dirty fingers in my mouth. Well, that was the point. I knew you didn't like it. <laughs> Just to be clear, negative reinforcement is, is when you're encouraging a behavior by taking something away. I was discouraging a behavior, which is punishment. Anyway, so um, do you think that you, you began doing it less? Um, yes. It's sort of... I sort of developed... I mean, I think actually I do it less because we had the fight... Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Uh, and uh, not because of you putting your fingers in my mouth. And actually, like, your fingers in my mouth were not really what upset me. You know, in fact, there are some contexts in which I wouldn't mind your fingers in my mouth. Um, it was more the, like, fact that you who are supposed to be my loving and supportive partner were like intentionally doing something to cause me physical discomfort that was I wasn't actually hurting you let's just be clear no no but you were just intentionally doing something unpleasant to me I was literally not touching you by putting like I would put one finger in your mouth while it was open I'm just saying I think you you intended to do that but like Nine times out of ten, I got, like, a sort of taste of dirty finger. <laughs> but I never actually t- touched, like, your tongue or your teeth or your mouth. But okay. Okay. But anyway, my, po- my point is, is not that the punishment itself, like, the knowledge that you were attempting to punish me was more punishing than the punishment. Right. Right. I get it. I get it. And so while what I actually, what I, what I did 
what I was doing didn't work, but it led to this like this sort of uh, zenith of emotion. I would say more a nadir. <laughs> or a nadir. <laughs> I always thought it's it's called nadir. No, nadir. All right. Well, whether it was a peak or a valley, it, there was some extreme point that the whole thing led to, which um, caused you to just cover your mouth right now, even though you're facing forward uh, and, and yawning while driving. Do you want me to take the wheel, by the way? Are you tired? No? Oh, you're okay. You were just yawning for, for the sake of yawning, because we were talking about yawning. Do you think anyone who listened, has listened to this episode has yawned yet because of all the yawn conversation? <laughs> or maybe just because it's really boring? You know, there's a theory about yawning, which is that uh, it's actually like a leftover behavior of nonverbal communication, um, which was how sort of in tribes human beings communicated with each other. It was a sort of a like ready signal. So, like, if the alpha tribe leader yawned, then everybody else would yawn, too, to sort of, like, show they were ready. And that's why yawning is so contagious. Huh. Well, you know, one thing is yawning is a sign that you're awake because you don't actually... I wonder, like, do we yawn when we're sleeping? I don't know. We, we yawn when we're tired, I think, because it gives us a... You know, it's a, a rapid intake of oxygen. Right, but I wonder if there was some way it evolved because it also shows that you're awake if you're yawning. But, you know, with dogs, yawning is often a stress, a stress reliever or a signal of, like, an, appeasing, an appeasement signal to other dogs. Um, or one of these displacement behaviors also, like I was talking about, where they're just uncomfortable and the energy has to go somewhere. Like, in my case, it made me laugh in a moment that was where that wasn't the appropriate reaction. But, but yeah, and yawning is not necessarily just about, just about fatigue. Um, it's interesting because it's also this whole, the, our whole, um, you know, yawning gate, shall we call it, of our relationship has made me very aware of whether or not I cover my mouth when I yawn too. Because even though I know it doesn't bother you, really, I don't want to be like a hypocrite about it. So, but um well, I, I hope that I hope that there are not other instances of of uh, punishment that we use on each other in our relationship in the future. One thing, you know, there's certain there's certainly instances of uh, reinforcement. And one thing I remember my dad telling me that he 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 told his girlfriend to do, and she did, and he loved it. Was whenever he fixed something in the house or did anything for her, he. He suggested that, and I think he only like suggested this once maybe, and she like really took to it and he loved it. She, <laughs> he would say, why don't you call me your hero? So whenever, you know, he changed a light bulb or did the dishes or anything, she'd say, my hero! <laughs> and uh, that, you know, reinforced, reinforced the behavior of being helpful towards her. So um, I, hope, I hope I have many chances to call you. My hero. I love you very much. All right. Anything else to add to this um, little peek into our into our uh, domestic life together? Um, 
No, I guess I would just say that uh, I forgive you for experimenting with me. <laughs> and um, I, it's exciting to be a guest on your podcast. And um, <laughs> I hope that other couples can learn from our suffering. <laughs> and dogs, too. Our woof shout out goes to Emily Beaupre. Emily has been uh, apprenticing at School for the Dogs as well as uh, running our new dog walking service. And uh, she just graduated the apprenticeship and is now officially a uh, School for the Dogs certified trainer. So congrats, Emily. We're really happy to have her on board. And our fun dog fact of the day, maybe not such a fun fact, but a slightly frightening fact, is that uh, the day after Thanksgiving is actually, I've heard from many vets, one of the busiest days at veterinary ERs because of uh, all the trouble dogs get into eating human food that they shouldn't be eating on Thanksgiving. And as listeners might be aware, I'm definitely not against letting dogs eat leftovers, but uh, make sure you're keeping an eye out on what they're eating and how much they're eating. Check the podcast notes. I will link to um, a blog post on this subject. So have a happy and safe holiday. And special thanks to the Channel Drifters for letting me use their ukulele cover of Hello, My Baby. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by telling your friends about it, leaving a review, or shopping in our online store. You can learn more about us and sign up to get lots of free training resources when you visit us online at schoolforthedogs.com.